Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Uh, today, I'm excited because I have with me Ryan Price. Uh, Ryan is the host and founder uh, of the MBA Secrets Podcast, and he's also an MBA candidate in the class of 2023 at the BYU Marriott School of Business. Today, we're going to talk to Ryan about his journey to business school and about his own podcast, uh, MBA Secrets. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. I always love starting with a warm-up question and would love to know from you, uh, what book has had the most impact on you and your life and and why? First of all, thank you, Alf, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a tough question because <laughs> there's several, but I'll, if I can cheat a little bit, I'll go with two. Most recently, a book that I've just barely finished is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And I think for me, it's something that's, I, I don't know, it's a, it teaches you how to maximize your time and get everything out of it. And and I have a brand new one-year-old, a wife, and I'm starting business school. So that that concept of being able to maximize your time and, and get everything done in maybe a, a shorter period of time to maximize the time with your family, like that means a lot to me. So that one is definitely a big one. And then more generally, I think for my whole life, I have to say How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And that one speaks for itself. I just, I love it so much. I've, if you haven't read it, it's a must read. So those are my two answers. Yeah. Uh, Dale Carnegie's book has really stood the, the test yeah. of time and yeah. uh, through so many uh, years and iterations and probably could argue even needs more in today's age in terms yes. of building influence and relationships, particularly in the world that we live in. I'm a big fan of deep work myself. Cool. Uh, I really changed how I think about being able to actually think about the conditions I set for myself for the work that I'm doing at any given time. Right. And that on certain aspects, I think there's always just this idea that being a, being productive means checking things off the to-do list and doing or being productive means taking action. And deep work really forced me to think about that may not always be the case. And right. having prolonged periods to be able to think and just breathe, I think is really critical and important. And if anything COVID taught me, it's definitely, there is some benefit to having that. So Amen. I could totally see that being really valuable. And I'm sure as you start layering on things in your life, like business school, like a family, a kid, yeah. having uninterrupted time to think and be with yourself is a, is, a, is a luxury, right? Amen. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's It was a really powerful book. I intend to read it again. So it's uh, yeah. not good. Yeah. For sure. We'll link deep work in the show notes uh, for the folks who can't nerd out on this with us right <laughs> now. But okay, so let's just jump in. So let's get started. So, so tell me a little bit about what were you doing before business school and, and why did you choose to get your MBA in the first place? Great question. I Before business school, I hadn't even finished my undergraduate degree. Like I was immediately before I applied, I was still uneducated. Essentially, I didn't have my degree. I was working for an e-commerce company based in Salt Lake City, Utah, but they had me start their business over in Europe. I had to, I moved out there by myself. My wife stayed home because she was finishing school and I expanded the business out to Europe. I set up all these, the warehousing and the, just mark, doing all the market research and all this, building a, building a team and opening an office and all these things. And just one of the coolest experience I've ever had um, in my life, a hard one, 
but a, a really good one. And it was, I was on this trajectory where I, I could have stayed there. I, I'd still be there today if I hadn't decided to come back and do business school. But I just found myself, I don't know, wanting more as a side project simultaneously while I was working in England. My brother and I started a little, our own e-commerce company. We felt like we could, uh, we could do anything because we were working at this e-commerce company. He worked there as well. And we brought in outdoor backpacks and outdoor backpacking chairs and branded it. It's called Bear Fist Outdoor. We were so excited and sourcing these products out of China and, and just doing a, a you know really great work. And all of a sudden we we order them, get a thousand units of inventory in and lo and behold, we had a 25% tariff that we had no idea about. We just weren't totally unprepared for that. And it just blindsided us. And after that, we were lucky to even break even from that business. So the combination of these two, I, I was starting to be a little unhappy with my job in England, feeling like I wanted to expand my abilities more. And then as an entrepreneur, I, I love entrepreneurship. I want to, that's what I want to do with my life. And I tried to open, start this business and just completely failed. And so I'm trying to weigh these two and figure out what, how can I get out of both of these things and make it worthwhile? And it, the idea came, well, probably business school. I can expand my knowledge, my my capability, fail safe against another business that I'll start. And if I do go work for another company, I'll, I'll be even better off. So it's just, it just fit for me. And I decided to, to head home from England and, and we're going from there. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So I know you mentioned that you are were living in Salt Lake City at the time, but what made you choose BYU? I'm sure you had some, because you're from there, you, or it sounds like you lived there for a while. There's probably yep. some local knowledge just of knowing that, but could you maybe share a little bit else as to why that was the right fit for you? Yeah. Most people probably know that BYU is a religious institution. And I did, I attended about a year and a half, two years there in my undergraduate degree as one of one stop of three different universities during that time. And another part of my decision to even go to business school at all came in England when I was in that process of trying to figure out what to do, what action to take. Business school didn't even come up because I didn't have my undergraduate degree, but I was thinking about it for me, praying about it, trying to figure it out. And one day I, I went to lunch by myself during work and sat up in the top sec the, the second floor of a McDonald's on the high street of Slough, England. That's where our office was located. And I was just thinking about this, trying to figure it out. And like a ton of bricks, the answer came to, to my mind, you need to get a BYU, or excuse me, you need to get an MBA from BYU. And it was that specific. So for me, I didn't even apply anywhere else. And that might be a little unique, but I knew that's where I wanted to, to go. And that, that was kind of my whole focus. From that moment on, I knew what to do and just push forward towards that goal. That's great. Could you maybe share a little bit about what your application process looked like then? Because it, as you said, it only really was that one school. Yeah, definitely. So I got home. I came, moved home from England. I had 24 credits left in my undergraduate degree. So piled them all into one semester. Not only did that, you know, just it was a big strain on my time, but also on my wallet. That was just really expensive and uh, time consuming endeavor. But I got it done. I got I got through that with really good grades. And simultaneously, I had to take the GMAT to get into BYU. And I ended up taking the GMAT six times. And you're only allowed to take it five times in a calendar year. But this was during COVID. And so they they added one for the online version. So I, I, I took every single opportunity. And finally, on my last attempt, I got the score that I needed to be accepted. And that's a, that's a very shortened version of that story. But Beyond that, the, the application, it, it was it was fun. It was a good opportunity for me to put on paper and express to the admissions committee who I was and where I wanted to go. And not only was it good for them, but it, it was really healthy for me to really put on paper why I was doing this, what I wanted to get out of it. And 
without intending it to be this way, it became something that I refer to often. I look at what I wrote in my personal statement and the the goals that I set out in that. And I, when times get hard and, and especially during that time when I was taking the GMAT over and over, I could look at that personal statement, see what I wrote and just take a step back and think, okay, I know I am doing this. I just got to keep giving it my all, doing my best. And the things that I wrote in this statement here will come to be, right? And so I just, that kind of a weird way to look at it, but it was a good experience to, to write these essays. And the interview was great. I Just the whole experience was a lot of fun, even though it was stressful. <laughs> so the first thing I'll say is that you're probably vindicating every admissions director right now by <laughs> telling them that you are referring back to the personal statement that you wrote for your application as a means for guiding you in your journey for business school. Right. So they are probably very happy to hear that because... <laughs> That's part, I think, secretly, partially part of their hope. I'm glad that you can see the positive in having to have gone through that experience. But I would also guess that taking the GMAT five or six times was maybe not. We won't call it like pulling or getting a root canal. We'll say it's not like getting a root canal, <laughs> but it's probably not up there with the most enjoyable things in life either. Oh, man. It, so yeah, what was, that, what was that experience like? It. Gosh, I think I probably would have rather had a root canal. Oh, it was crazy. I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice to our <laughs> friends at GMAC, but but I'll let you I'll let you talk about your experience with it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, listen, they put it they put together a great test. Good for them. I've said this a million times. I don't consider myself to be bad at math at all. I wasn't a genius at math, but for some reason that GMAT math just oh man, that was a thorn in my side. I did great on verbal. Everything else was great, and I just I don't know what it was. I think I personally have a little bit of test anxiety and that probably came out each time I took the test and the practice tests were obviously there. Those are inflated, but I, I took the GMAC practice tests, like the official ones. And they always had me at 720, 40 great scores. And I always knew, okay, I got to knock that down a bit because they're probably a little bit um, inflated. Then I ended up getting 640 as my best score, which uh, it's just frustrating to hear myself say that now. It was good enough. It's still well below the average for BYU. But that's that should act, hopefully, as a, I don't know, like something to look forward to if somebody out there is struggling with the GMAT. It's not everything. Like, it's important. You do you need to work hard at it. But telling your, your story and your essays and, and having a good interview, those things are um, just as, if not more important, to, to really getting over the hump. And yeah, the GMAT was... <laughs> it's terrible. I spent a lot of time and money on that too. But just like we've been talking about, it's I'm glad that it happened this way. A lot of people are getting into school these days with um, GMAT waivers, which is awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's really cool. It's an effect of COVID. And I sometimes look at them and I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have done that same thing. Now that it's over and I'm in and I can just relax from that, I am. I do look at it as a really positive thing because I I it tested me, it stretched me, it, it helped me grow. And I, I'm grateful for it now. I don't, I can't say that I was in the moment, but I am today, if that makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you're able to have that perspective now, particularly now that it's, now that it's over. Right. So now that it's over, you're into school and tell us a little bit about your podcast. How did it come about? Why did you start it? Walk us through that journey. Yeah. So I got in, so uh, let me back up. When I, I had my interview and that went really well and I, I actually got it because COVID had just hit and they said, anybody with a GMAT score over 600 automatically gets an interview. And at that time I had a 610, so I just barely made that cut. Um, so I got my interview and, and my interviewer was just awesome, uh, really great guy who I was able to connect with and 
and he said, the elephant in your room is, or in the room is your GMAT score. It's, it's too low. We can't do it. But everything else is really cool. We'll, uh, I'll go to bat for you, he said. And so a couple of days later, I got a, uh, a phone call from the director of the program saying, listen, we, we want you here. You're in. You've got to get the GMAT score up. We, like, we literally can't let you in with that score. That's how bad it was. <laughs> so I, I spent the rest of that. Well, I guess it would have been four or five months after that, just continuing to work on the GMAT. And finally, like I said, I got that score and they accepted me. But this was in 2020. I mean, it was in about, it was mid-July 2020. And, and they, they said, listen, you're in. That's great. We're, congratulations. However, because of COVID, we need to push you out a year. So I was deferred by BYU for one year. And that was frustrating at first, but not frustrating towards BYU. I get it that they were in a really tough situation, but just generally I was like, oh, I'm going to be a year behind. I've got, I wanted to get this done and pound it out. But after, I don't know, a couple of days, it didn't take long. I just was like, this could be a really good thing. I've Maybe I could work on some kind of project. So I started brainstorming and I thought back to my application period. And I, one thing that I really tried to do was to talk to as many people as I could who were doing what I wanted to be doing, who were just ahead of me on the path. And that's not groundbreaking. <laughs> that's a pretty typical thing to do. But I, I reached out, the, the three people that I spoke with, their names were Neil, Michael, and Matthew. And they, I credit those three with giving me some insights and, and information and knowledge that really got me over the hump to being accepted. Because in my interview, I, I pulled something from each one of those things that they shared with me. And uh, questions that would have otherwise caught me off guard, I nailed because of their help. So I thought about that and I thought about that experience and I thought maybe I can take that same kind of experience and uh, support and create it for the masses. And that's what MBA Secrets, my podcast is. It's, it's just kind of me sharing, documenting my journey essentially and sharing the information that I've learned along the way to to share with people who might be a few steps behind me on that same path. And that's a, the premise. So I, I guess then the next kind of question in that is, could you talk to us a little bit about what you've learned from both building the podcast, but also from all of the, uh, all the episodes that you've done? Yeah. So it's, I've, what I've done is I've tried to mix in 50-50 interviews with students from around the world and my own experiences. And so I'll start with those, the, the interviews that I've done. We've, we've talked to people from Oxford, Harvard, Esade, Duke, all all over the US and and throughout the world. And one thing that I've learned that I that's given me a lot of personal confidence and I hope can provide confidence to any listeners is that we are all human. Everybody we, we might be going to different tiers of schools and have different backgrounds and everything, but we all experience a similar thing going into it. We all stress about the GMAT. We all struggle with it. Maybe not everybody, maybe some people can get through that pretty easily, but there's other aspects that they struggle with. And then they start school and it's stressful and they have to figure out what they're going to do after. And everybody's human. Everybody has similar struggles and challenges. And that's, it's really refreshing when you look at yourself and you, we always as humans tend to compare ourselves to other people who are, look like they're way further ahead and, and maybe they are, but there's still, there's still so much that we can relate to with those people. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned and that that I apply on a daily basis because that whole imposter syndrome kind of experience, I think it's pretty typical across the board, but it doesn't have to be. We're all experiencing the same thing. And that's my number one. I think that's true. And I can definitely resonate with that on my end, just from my own experience, but also having uh, talked with you know lots of other applicants and, and students and alum and the like. So now that you've been through this journey 
now that you've started this podcast, now that you've had all these learnings, I'd be curious to know what advice would you give to prospective MBA students? Yeah, I'll give the advice that I've, that I try to, I'm trying to walk the walk, if, if you will. And that's just to keep showing up. Just be consistent, keep going. And the, the second part of that is that no matter what your background is, no matter what your story is, it is good enough. It's just a matter of presenting it in a way that, that can grab your audience. And I, I just, I can't stress it enough. If you just keep at it, keep trying. I took the GMAT six times. I kept at it, finally got what I needed. I, I think that's just the biggest thing is you just you need, to, need to believe in yourself. I've heard over and over from people that I've interviewed and, and people uh, within my network that a lot of times it's easy to self-select yourself out of an MBA or out of a particular school. Just don't do that. Just give it a shot. Just try it and keep trying it and you will eventually get there. Sure. And I, I think you're living proof of that, I would say. I, I appreciate that. I'm trying to be. <laughs> so so now that we're filming or recording this a little bit before, I think you're starting your program. So now that you're about to start it, what are you excited about or what are you looking forward to most? That's a great question. Yeah, it's about time. I can tell you that much. I've been waiting for a long time and I I think I'm I've been connecting with people in my that are a year ahead of me that are going to be second year students and those that have been accepted and and are coming in with me and there just seems to be an awesome group of people that I can't wait to. I'm not going to use the word network with because that just implies a business relationship. I, just to create friendships and relationships with to be I don't know. I look forward to that so much because these people seem like the cream of the crop, just the best kind of people, not necessarily, they're all successful and they're all going to be successful. That's like a, that's, that just comes with it. But being able to be a friend with these people is, I think that's what I'm most excited about. And from an academic standpoint, I'm excited to learn the things that I didn't know when my, when my, my own business failed, <laughs> that, that I would be lying if I said, I'm not just ecstatic to learn those things and, and make sure that when I give it a go again, I'll be prepared as much as I possibly can to make sure that thing is is a success. Yeah, I think you have an exciting road ahead. And, and from experience, there's lots of opportunities to learn in business school. And I, I think you're going to be in for a real treat. Ryan, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. If people want to tune into NBA Secrets, where can they go? Where can they, where can they find you? Yeah, anywhere you get your podcasts, it's just NBA Secrets. So Apple, Spotify, Amazon, whatever. And we're... Uh, we, I love, this is a big deal. I love taking listener requests. If you have a specific school, in fact, I just talked to a listener yesterday. He's He lives in India. Um, he's like, hey, can you interview somebody from the University of Washington? And I've, I'm getting it set up right now. So I love that. that that's the kind of thing that, that I'm looking for. I also, mbasecretspodcast.com. I've got a free ebook, just details my story further. It's got um, transcribed interviews and more just resources. You can always go there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's where you can find me. Sounds great. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your story and for sharing a little bit more about NBA Secrets. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Al. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the NBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.